the past, read your copy of Haven Herald and rev up your attack van as we escape to Haven. Actually, return to Haven. Escape to Haven is the last time. This is Troubled, a Haven Rewatch podcast. I'm your first host and our father's son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I'm Rich French, the French who cannot figure out how to move his contacts to his new phone. The, the pain of being middle-aged. See, and you thought Nathan wouldn't be able to move his stuff over and handle a BlackBerry. It's, it's not you. my fault. Google won't cooperate and let me reset the password on my old email account. Bastards. It's a conspiracy. So as usual, we like to start every episode with uh, an episode summary. This one is episode two of season three. So 302 is what it'd be called. Uh, luckily, the episode is not titled 302 this time. <laughs> uh, it is called Stay. Uh, this is even more relevant now, considering Haven is not available on Netflix or Tubi or any other service we can find. So we're just going to try to give you the summary in case you haven't been able to see the episode in a while. Right. But, and they are available for purchase on uh, you know Prime and, uh, and Amazon. And uh, Amazon. Anyone who doesn't have the seasons, we'll be doing another giveaway this e- for season two and three here. But for anyone interested, uh, I hope, I think Amazon still has this deal, but they had the first three seasons for $15 on Blu-ray. So it's a pretty cheap uh you know that's five bucks a season right there for three seasons that's cheaper than purchasing them through prime i you know oh, for sure yeah yeah so that's just uh throwing that out there for y'all <laughs> okay uh, let's get rolling all right so this is episode two stay um episode starts as a guy working at his store it's actually the dixie boy truck stop from who what where when to go from episodes yeah. ago and uh a guy's trying to come in and he's like you know it's pulled says pull genius blah 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 guy comes in he's naked and stuff dude thinks he's on drugs and then fine we kind of see that he's rabid insane and completely naked <laughs> right and the the jerk uh clerk <laughs> he uh you know thinks he's on crystal mescaline and yeah. then he uh does you know r- kind of run out there when the guy growls at him in a very menacing psychotic way right uh audrey and duke are kind of talking on the porch so we cut to that and you know duke's changing the locks and she's kind of just getting them up to date on everything, you know, that they know about the Colorado kid coffin and shit. Yeah, she thinks he's alive and on the run. Somebody comes up, Nathan's ready to defend her with a screwdriver, but it's really just, whoops, it's, well, I guess there's the spoiler. It's Nathan who comes up, and Duke was trying to protect Audrey <laughs> with the screwdriver. Uh, and Nathan's not a fan of him hanging out around here. He's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, you could be the 100th year. What about your fucking dad? You know, like, we can't trust you. I'm not like, like my dad. He's like, I'm just a friend. What's the problem here? Uh, uh, he kind of he digs in, but yeah. Then uh, Yeah, then Audrey and Nathan got to go take care of Dogman at the store, right? Right. And uh, oh, you're going to reveal their Dogman already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Matt McGinnis did it in the... the <laughs> oh. Matt McGinnis did it in the commentary, so why not? I think everything's uh, fair game. Okay, we're establishing their dogmen. So Audrey and Nathan arrive at the Dixie Boy where their clerk is outside waiting for them. And the clerk, he's just, he's a prick. And he, so they go in to get him and uh, Audrey, you know, sees him, he's naked. He's got what looks like a collar hanging from, uh, you know, a leash hanging from a collar. And she tries to give him a coat and that just sends the clerk off. He get he runs back in, he's mad. And he takes his bat to the, at the dog who then, uh, of course, bites him in the neck and then the dog jumps out the window and Audrey tells Nathan to call an ambulance and that's basically how that scene wraps up yeah and then we kind of go to the police station uh we meet this new psychiatrist character Claire 
And she's like, oh, I need to check up on you, Audrey. You've been kidnapped and stuff. And Audrey's like, fuck you. I don't believe in therapy. Blah, I don't need therapy. Blah, 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 blah. The typical thing from a cop character. But Nathan's kind of like, eh, you know, he seems more thinks it's, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea. Right. He does. You know, and Audrey's just just not having so uh, fuck that. any of them. So uh, Nathan and Audrey arrive at a rural farmhouse and uh, speak with the owner, Tor Magnuson, who tells them there's a naked guy in his barn. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, Tor's son, Liam, comes uh, outside and says he cannot find Jesse, who is his dog. Audrey and Nathan carefully enter the barn. They find torn dog remains. And then eventually they go downstairs into the cellar and Nathan finds a room where there's a bunch of dirty naked people. So it's not one not just a dog bunch. Man. It's like a gigantic amount of yeah. naked, dirty yeah. guys. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the video in the ring with all the bodies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so. A bunch of stuff happens. They're like, lock up this fucking barn. There's a bunch of dudes in there. It's not just one. The The boy, you know, is like, I'm going to find my dog and goes running, you know, crawling into the fucking barn crawl space, right? Right. To get so in. He- Liam gets in there, so Audrey and Nathan have to go in. And Nathan goes down. He observes uh, the, the dogmen uh, putting on clothes now and <laughs> uh, and arguing. And then obvi- and a big alpha kind of emerges and qualms the uh, the fight. And at the meantime, Liam uh, Audrey finds Liam in a different room, and they and they hide. And in there, she finds another naked uh, dog man, but uh, this one is uh, timid and she tries to give him a cookie. And then Alpha tries to break into the room because he's part, you know, and then uh, Nathan is forced, you know, he forced to tase uh, Alpha, which pisses off the rest of the pack who now are brandishing weapons and are coming towards him. Guy with an ax walks up, he's coming up. So Nathan has no choice, but he, so he shoots him in the thigh Obviously, that that dog man collapses and the uh, rest of the dogs escape the barn, afraid of the weapon. Uh, There's a lot of talk about what needs to be done. But kind of the next important part is that the Herald, Vince comes back with an autopsy report, finding out like, he's like, yeah, I kind of just stole it from Doc Lucchese. And Dave's like, you're out of control. And they figure (laughs) he's surfing on Wednesdays. So, Uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, And they kind of figure out uh, the who who is the victim again? Rosalind. Yeah, yeah, it's for Rosalind. And they find out that she was killed with like an air compressor thing, uh, no country for old men style. Right. Half inch blunt trauma to the back of the head from a livestock bolt gun. Yeah. Like, holy so. shit. Meanwhile, you know, Duke and Dwight have had their problems kind of all episode. Uh, uh, you know, Dwight's like, I don't know if I can trust you. Duh, 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 duh. And then uh, they run into a naked man of their own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they call Audrey and they, you know, Dwight roll, you know, Duke calls Audrey, says, hey, I found this big naked guy uh, eating a fish by the dock. And uh, she tells him to uh, to restrain him. And, uh, Rick and uh, Duke sees Dwight pull up and says, hey, Audrey says you got to restrain the, you know, this big guy. So, yeah, he gets locked in the car. They all show up and are like, how the fuck? And he can't unlock. He can't get himself out uh, until eventually he breaks through the window and attacks, you know. And uh, some blood gets on Duke and he realizes, oh, shit, this isn't a trouble. Like, this is great. Uh, so his power doesn't activate. So they yeah. realize, like, OK, well, these guys aren't troubled, but what the fuck's going on? Yeah, Duke, Duke was really excited thinking that he had beat hit, beat his trouble. But it turns out that's not the case. 
because they got the lab results of the guy who was shot at the hospital and he had high levels of an animal tranquilizer commonly used when you put dogs down. Right. So they go to the pound and they start putting two and two together that all these like naked guys they've been seeing are actually dogs that were transformed from dogs into humans. Well, uh, it's it's painfully obvious when they find a very small cage with a yeah. full-size human being crumpled up into it and his neck snapped from, you know, turning into a human inside the cage. And right. then they so, also... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no you go. <clears throat> I, I was going to say, then they also find the dog catcher's corpse uh, in, in the office uh, underneath a file cabinet. And it turns out he was killed with a hammer. So they're feral and they're learning. And now we have to figure out uh, who's the person who's troubled, Nathan, and they start plotting it all out. And they're trying to, how did it get to Tor's farm? And then Nathan Presto finds the log and Tor was there the night before dropping off Liam's dog, Jesse, for euthanasia. Right. And then we kind of see every some guys at the Herald, Dwight, Duke, uh, Dave and Vince, they're trying to research into the hunter, this whole situation that they found out from last episode. Uh, they see a naked guy running down the street, so everybody goes, and while they're out, Duke is reading a newspaper and reads, ah, the hunter is actually like a meteor storm? Yeah, a meteor storm that uh, the t- title is Hunter Meteor Storm Fills Up Hotel, and because he found it in a in a, an issue close to the one where uh, Lucy yeah. went missing. Right, so he's kind of found an essential piece. Meanwhile, as they've put together, they go to D- Tor Magnuson's farm, and are like, hey, bro. Uh, what's up? Why, you know, why did all those dogs turn to people when you went there? And he's like, oh shit, I sent the dog in, you know, to fucking get killed. Oh yeah. My family said never to own a pet, uh, buy one and one for my kid when my wife left. So put two and two together, Tor turns animals into people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they realize the kid's gone, uh, cause the dog took him and the dog's going to bury the things he wants to protect. Uh, cause the dog has rabies. Uh, and so they go on the woods going like, oh, shit, these dogs are going to bury the son, Liam, again. So they go on the woods to get him. Um, the dogs are all crazy, have their weapons and everything. And they surround the main characters. And Tor has to kind of give his uh, tearful apology to the dog what? to kind of be like, hey, you know, like, sorry about everything. I didn't get you your shots and shit. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And the dog, you know, the guy. Well, turns, they, yeah. And then they have him touch him. And yeah, so he's touching this uh, rabid lunatic who has his handgun and he t- touches him. He turns into a dog. All the rest of them turn into dogs and kind of run off. And the main dog dies because of the rabies. Right. Uh, Jesse met his final demise. Right. So at first they're like, oh my God, now we don't know where the fucking kid is. But the dog that Audrey gave a cookie to knows where the kid is. They rescue the son. And, uh, you know, yeah, uh, that's it on that part. Audrey's pumped up. That's her new dog cookie. So until she finds out some information. Right. So next we go back to the Haven Herald where uh, Vince is telling, you know, Dave's like, hey, Vince, why are you letting Dwight and Duke figure things out? And he's like, because we're going to need their help. Dave's like, we're not going to need their help. And then Vince takes them back into the back room. They show a storage locker that has been shot out, shot open and uh, and ransacked. And sure enough, how was the lock uh, broken? Bolt gun. So now we know the abductor knows about the Teagues and is very interested in them. 
Meanwhile, Audrey is walking her new dog, Cookie, and uh, Duke is like, hey, by the way, this meteor storm thing is going to happen in like 40 days. And last time it was the signal of you changing from like Lucy disappearing. So you probably got 40 days till you're done. And she's like, oh, fuck. Well, there's no point in keeping a dog. Gives the dog to Tor and Liam. Right. And uh, she's very upset, but sad. But you can tell she almost seems resigned to her fate that you know, she's only got 49 days. 49 yeah. days. Whatever. Yeah. Well, the, the meteor storm comes out of the Orion constellation every 27 years. So, yeah. And that's the episode Stay, episode two of season three. All right. What did you think about this episode? Well, I really like this episode and how they introduced uh, Claire Callahan into the story in a believable fashion. I also liked how they solved the Hunter mystery while still stringing along the thread of Audrey's abductor and now adding the Teagues into that mystery. So those are some really cool things I like. I didn't. I don't like some of the continued themes with the characters, how they're acting, how they wrote, how they wrote them. I feel like I there's two characters. I feel like that you feel this way about, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's primary. There is just two that it just really bugs me. It sticks in my craw, as they say. But it's a craw. So it's a craw. Craw. I don't know. Anyway, craw daddy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm from the north, even though I live in the south here. So occasionally, you'll get a yawl out of me. Interesting. So like I said, I don't like to continue things, which lowers my rating a bit. But overall, I thought it was a strong episode and actually it has some funny moments. We'll talk about later. Some, uh, you know, there are some good lines. <laughs> so my rating on the patent pending French meter, it's hard. I'm giving it an eight. I'd probably really give it a 7.5 if I was doing, you know, half scale. I think it's slightly below an eight, but I think it's a little better than a seven. So, yeah, I give it an eight. I give it an eight. I think um, really the only character that. Well, okay, so the two characters that kind of rub me the wrong way is Nathan mostly, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of Audrey. Yep, those are but, my two. But everybody else, and uh, you know, in a in a hint in a hint of Dwight. Yeah. But otherwise, we're... the rest of them are fine. Um, I liked the characters. I thought the story was pretty enjoyable. In the in the commentary, we'll talk about the commentary a little later. But just one line from the commentary: Matt McGinnis goes like. Yeah, this is a real risk. This could have gone, this really could have gone fucking sideways, writing a dog a story about dogs turning into people. And I was like, yeah. But I think he's right that it actually worked. And that I think the emotional moments at the end of the episode really worked despite how stupid this could have been. This could have been like a love machine situation all over again or something. But I think like, you know, with a kind of just stupid premise, but like they I think they pulled it off pretty well. Where I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll give McGinnis credit. I actually specifically (laughs) know what you're talking about when he's talking about the scene with uh, Tor and Jesse, you know, Jesse as a man at the end. Yeah, that's a really good scene. It did did work. It really it really did work, which is that that was a risk that could have been dumb as hell and being like, oh, my God. But they fucking, you know, I think it was a combination of Pillar is a pretty good director. Like I said, I've had certain things i'm not particularly in love with what he does but i think he's better than i think he's a pretty good director though and i think um that actor that played tor magnus and when i first saw him i was like yeah here we go another another guy like this i was expecting him to be kind of like dudes from fur who are all kind of just like macho men meatheads but he was a really i thought i thought i don't know the actor's name but he was pretty good the guy who played tor magnus and i was pretty impressed and especially at the end i was like damn this is this is like you know not like I wasn't going to like fucking cry or anything, but I'm like, okay, this is like catching me emotionally. 
yeah, yeah, he, it was he was acting. Yeah, so yeah, he was a master thespian as well. His name's like Raiden, so I immediately like thought of uh, Mortal Kombat when I when I saw it. Raiden Moore. Wow, all right. Named after a god, and then they named his character after. Uh, well, is Tor a god's name? I know, like, like Tor Magnuson is uh an interesting name i like how mammy is like yeah i want to give him a realistic name to him i'm like what? Yeah, that, that a, that's not a realistic where's that realistic in sweden well, he, you he know, said Norway? it's like his dad's friend is named tor magnuson mm-hmm. in the commentary but i was like yeah how often are you gonna like run into a guy named tor magnuson so you managed to take a real name that sounds like a fake name <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i'm saying like, it's tor- one of those like unbelievable you know uh one of those names that you're not gonna find that is real so I think a lot of I think the episode was pretty good because I think the dog story did work. Um, I thought there was a little bit. Um, my only thing with the plotting that I didn't really like was the kid goes into the barn, they rescue the kid, and then the kid gets kidnapped by the dogs later. It's kind of like, let's just, you know, yeah. why yeah, do we t- have like, we don't need an up down, just have him taken and he's gone that whole time. Tor didn't learn his lesson, you know, that yeah. I'm going to keep this kid like basically tied to my belt because there's naked, crazy animals no, running just, around. Just put on the Disney, um, as he says. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I that was my only thing where I'm like, OK, we're going to kidnap the we're going to the dogs are going to take the kid again. Why don't they just keep them the first time? And like that keeps the drama there of like we really need to because they're like this kid's going to freeze to death like tonight. I was like. Well, is like, he, I think the kid could survive, like, you know, is not, he gonna, is he going to freeze to death if he's buried? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, all my dogs have buried uh, animate objects before. I've never heard of a dog burying something living. Yeah, I've never heard of that. But I so like that was kind of the confusion I was like, OK, maybe like if the kid like was unconscious, they would think he's dead and bury him. Or if the kid is like going to freeze to death. That's my only thing is like the kid and. At the end, they're like, oh, my God, how are we going to find the kid? And like, you know, and it's this big moment. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we found him. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Uh, that's immediately kind of cookie. A- <laughs> yeah. That transition is like 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 finger snap. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, but- and, and they did a little bit of groundwork of her giving him the cookie before. So then, you right. know, like she has a relationship with a specific dog. But we needed to see where she you know, we needed that shot of her looking at the dogs when they're like, oh, my God, how are we going to find him? You know, and she spots. You know, however you would identify if you had like a bandana on or some shit, like, you know, her like identifying like, oh, that's the one I gave the cookie to, you know, like maybe, you know, I have some goodwill with this particular dog. Well, well, yeah, you know, so she calls him Cookie. Cookie was in her custody. So, yeah, Cookie wasn't <laughs> yeah, with that's the right, pack. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, so, okay. So then they needed to show that her being like, you know, like looking, yeah. I mean, obviously the car was to get there. cookie. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, they, they kind just kind of jumped to it a little I was like, Oh yeah. I remember that guy <laughs> or they should have released cookie. So he would have been with the group. Like he should have escaped. So, well, and that's what so, someone like, they could have got a call from Haven PD on like on the radio. Uh, Nathan, Audrey, uh, your, your guy, yeah. he's a dog now. <laughs> so. <laughs> and then Audrey goes like, Hmm, you know, so I don't yeah. know. Something like I, I mean, that. They they just they were run they're up up against time on the uh, right. episode time. So I I get I, I get it. It's just yeah, it's kind of it's a little too easy. Kind of like Nathan just oh look here's the log and uh, <laughs> uh, you know. yeah. yeah yeah. I think uh, I think certain things like maybe the I don't know. 
there's maybe what I'm thinking is that, yeah, the kid getting the whole kid in the first time he gets taken by the dogs, they should have maybe cut a bunch of that out. That, but it's, it's fine. Like, cause the overall story I think still works, even though there's like a, I think a shortcut and like an unnecessary part. Yeah. Um, I'm it's, it's, it's a good episode. It's solid yeah. for, for episode two. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think um, the way the Hunter stuff was handled was pretty cool. I liked, I thought Duke was probably one of the best parts of the episode. Uh, he was kind of more, uh, less angsty. You know what I mean? He was less like, oh, my dad, you know, like doing that stuff and more like, and like my destiny and like more kind of like Duke. I don't know. He felt more like Duke to me this episode where he's out. He had some funny lines, like his best line or what did no. you, you know what it is. Was it the... Oh. So when he walks into the Haven Herald, he says hello to the Teagues as saying, Bartles, James, that was my most that was yours. Line. I thought it yeah. was the, oh, are you another Audrey Parker line was oh, that my is, favorite. That is excellent. That is excellent. Which happened to have been uh, ad-libbed by uh, Eric yeah, Belfour. As we so, found out in the commentary. Well, I, well it, you do you even know what Bartles and James is? I don't. Okay, Bartle and James was from the 80s. It was like the second and like the first gigantic national wine cooler. So it was <laughs> Bartles and James wine coolers. Okay. It wasn't the first. There was this canned shit that came out like a year before or two Stitles, which I remember because mm-hmm. I celebrated the Brewers making the World Series. My mom let me have a can of wine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But then Bartles and James came and they had like two old guys in their commercials who were funny. So that oh, was okay. kind of... Yeah, yeah, so that's a pretty you, yeah, dated reference, man. Yeah, if you're know. under you're under 35, you might not know know <laughs> that one. Might might be even 40, but yeah, yeah Bar- bottles and James wine coolers. So, so yeah, that's a but, good reference. It's just kind of even at the time was like you know. Well, yeah, it was 80 late 80s into into the 90s. So I think it, at least I saw. I'm thinking the time frame was. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a wine yeah, cooler so, guy, so that might be so. like a 20 year reference. Anyway, anyway. It was hilarious, though, for me. I I, I actually uh, laughed out loud, you know, <laughs> like like the, the youngsters like to say while texting. But uh, yeah, don't sound. You sound young saying that. Um, but th- that's how funny it was. I don't often yeah, yeah, yeah. audibly laugh, you know, especially on something I've seen before. And uh, right. speaking yeah. of which, I didn't I didn't remember this episode. Um, the the hunter when it came up it was a media storm i'm like that makes sense i seem to remember something but that's like the only thing yeah uh and i'm remembering nathan's hostility now as i'm like going deeper i'm like yeah this is becoming familiar i remember nathan being kind of an asshole now (laughs) yeah uh so yeah duke duke i was probably my favorite one of my favorite parts of the episode i felt he was very um less of the angst and more of like the duke you know that I liked from before the whole like troubled hunter killer thing he's been, had going on. Um, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the revelation of who his father is and who right. he's just destined to be, you know, a friend to Audrey, uh, funny, you know, kind of, you know, a little trickstery, right. a little, uh, a little clever, but still helping out and doing his own thing. Uh, so I, I thought he was really, really well done this episode. So yeah, I like Duke. Uh, Audrey being like so against therapy. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about it. I can't tell if I, if I like, if I agree with the decision for it to be like that, or if I don't like it. I, I don't know where I'm standing right now. Yeah, I. So there's two things about Audrey. So my, my first thing is. 
they continued this kind of Audrey's meek, you know, oh, she was abducted and she, Audrey is a tough hombre, man. She, (laughs) I just, I don't like them, you know, portraying her as, you know, as being so meek that, oh, she needs Duke's protection. No, she don't need Duke's or Nathan's protection. She's Audrey. No, I just, I don't like that. I I mean, mean, I don't think she needed Duke's protection as much as like he wanted to, you know, I think that scene was more like, or to me, the more like that, that work that did was like establishing Duke being like a friend and like protective of her. Yeah. Versus like her needing it. Yeah. I just, I I don't like that with her. I I, I understood like immediately after the abduction that, okay, cool. All right. But all right, come on now. She's Audrey. She's fine. Let's move on. And then, then then we get to the end of the episode, and now she's sad and resigned to the fact that she's going to be gone in 49 days. And uh, which would, would Audrey be sad and resigned, or would Audrey f- can start thinking about how I can beat this shit? So, but nonetheless, but it, it, it's just kind of they've done it in the past where they, I think they write something that they like and then you just hammer it with you. you just hammer it. No, I'm not going to do therapy. No, I'm yeah, not. Gonna do yeah, therapy. yeah. I, I just don't know if I like think. Audrey would be so opposed to therapy or not. I can't tell. It's hard for me to tell. And like, maybe that's also, maybe that's also like a criticism of the writing is that like, I don't know automatically what her decision would be. Like I'm uh, watching Ted Lasso right now. And there's like a therapist character. uh, Just how I know from the character, I could tell immediately that Ted was not going to like having to deal with like a therapist because or he wouldn't like his players talking to a therapist because he likes to be that role for them. So, you know, immediately yes. he's going to be like, eh, I don't know about that. This Ted, mm-hmm. We have a big Ted Lasso talk. We'll put it at the end of the episode if you're interested. Yeah, that's the only type of Ted talk we're qualified for. But uh... <laughs> Back to Haven. Um, I, I don't even know where we were. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the characters that we weren't pleased with right and, right right right, right. Okay. and so okay, okay. we we, we, we kind of knocked out audrey i think we okay. covered yeah, audrey yeah. let's move on to nathan well. nathan <laughs> uh, how over the top is this shit come on man yeah so something that uh i don't think we've talked about yet is that like you know i'm on the reddit on the subreddit for haven uh saying on the reddit makes me sound like i'm 100 yeah i'm on the reddit uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so i'm on the subreddit for haven and people in comments you know sometimes talk about like yeah nathan's kind of sucks or nathan's kind of an asshole or something i'm always like what what are they talking about like you know you know i'm through only season one and two of the rewatch i don't really remember how nathan was later but now it's starting to come back to me i'm like yeah nathan does kind of act like an asshole like and is kind of like hyper defensive and like aggressive and like just aggressive, so yeah. like accusatory to Duke, like you fucking murder. Like, it's like, okay, dude, you're just yourself. like your dad. Yeah. You know. I'm like, how you know you're going to end up that way. I'm yeah. like, how would you feel if someone is saying that to you? Like, you know, you're just a fucking crotchety old hermit piece of shit. Like your dad, like you'd be like, and, and you're going to explode someday. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> he wouldn't like that very much. That's so kind of shitty. And me, you know, and that's actually, I guess that's how humans are. So like, that's his flaws that he's, I guess, a hypocrite, but it's just kind of like disappointing because well, I think, in you know, he has an explosive rage, but I thought in the early, like I thought in season one and through most of two, that that's more like a, that's not a default setting. That's kind of like, you have to push him to that, to being at, like where he kind of says things that are, where he says things that he regrets. And here it's like, that's his default setting. It's just like, I'm going to be a piece of shit to Duke, like right off the bat. Well, yeah. And it's like, 
he can only experience one, you know, one state, you know, of emotion yeah. at one time. I mean, yeah, dude, he's kind of binary he, right now. <laughs> uh, he's just fixated on, on Duke, man. And, or uh, I got to protect Audrey. It's just very you know, like, and like you, and like you were saying earlier, Duke, Duke's, you know, hey, she's my friend. I'm gonna be the one who finds out who the damn hunter is. Right, and, he's looking know, out he, for them. Right. So, I mean, it's just it's just too over top. I'm sick of it. I mean, let, let Nathan's character does have layers. We've seen it already yeah. in the seat, you know, in the first two seasons. So let's let's let some of that come out and quit. It's just like, you know, you're beating us over the head with it. And it's, you know, just a little too far. Yeah, not a little. It's, it's, it's too, too far. far. Yeah. yeah, his whole like, oh, you're going to change the locks. I'm like, what do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to like fucking break in and like kill her? Like, yeah. <laughs> We already established this last episode. He doesn't. He hasn't done anything like that yet. Yet. I mean, it's still to see. But well, the one dude he killed, the dude jumped on his knife. Yeah, basically. yeah. That doesn't. That so, doesn't count. Know, the that, dude jumped that's on not a murder. Knife. Which leads me to my bone to pick with Dwight is his whole like, yeah, I don't know about you, uh, Duke. I was like, dude, you're the one that tried to fucking. You're the one who double crossed him first. I don't right. understand it, this like the indignant like attitude here of like. Wow, Duke, I don't know about you. I'd be like, what? Well, you're the one who fucked me over first and then try to kill me. Last time you launched me off a boat and, uh, you know, and I would kick your ass uh, if you weren't supercharged by my blood. I'm like, what What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Where's this coming from? <laughs> like, like I've been like, what were you doing like 10 seconds before I launched you off the boat? Oh, yeah, no, I not, no, I know I was just kind of sitting there casually. No, you were trying to fucking hit him with like a like was like a pipe or whatever no, he, it was. You're gonna kill him with a crowbar. It yeah, was crowbar a, is a crowbar. crowbar. He would have killed yeah. him. It's good. There's a good chance he could have killed him with the crowbar. But you know, yeah, but you could have gotten your blood on my hand when I hit you with that crowbar in yeah. the back of the head. Okay. Now, now you're the asshole, and then, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, I'm like. So first you got that, and then a blink of an eye, I'll help you. Well, then he's like, well, you know, I, and I, I guess I liked that where he was like, where he was like, uh, okay, you being so relieved and not having your curse was like cool to me. It's like a sign that you, you aren't this guy, but like this hyper aggression at the beginning of him being like, yeah, like, yeah, you, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, maybe if he was more like weary, like, I don't trust you anymore because they both, you know, like, you know, cause now this new revelation about Duke, you know, is scary. But like, you know, they did bond. So this if he was like kind of like acting a little weird and Duke's like, what the fuck? What's going on with you? And he's like, well, you know, you're fucking powers. You're your cursed killer. Like your curses killer. Like I feel uncomfortable around you. And, you know, then he's like, OK, well, I'm not like that. He's like, well, I don't know about that. And then, you know, when he sees him being overjoyed, then, you know, then being like, OK, I, you know, that was a un, that was a that was a true, a genuine moment of Duke. Right. He could probably wouldn't have faked it like that. Right. Well, no, know, obviously you could, but you know, in your mind, you're like, oh, he didn't fake that. So like, then he feels like he can trust him. But it was so over the top with like uh, the way he handled it at the beginning. And yeah, in episode I, one, he was also like, oh, it's you. And I was like, what? You're the asshole in the situation. Yeah, it, it it's it was way. And that's the thing is they do explain it. But I mean, it's so extreme. I'm like, would yeah. that explanation really get him to that point? I, I don't know with the way, you know, and I don't think it's the act. And I think that's the writing. It's myself. the writing for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, kind of speaking to that, though, before we move on from that, do you wonder who pays uh, Dwight's salary? Because that's a pretty spiffy pickup truck he's got. You know, that's expensive. So, 
you know, where's the funding coming from for uh, Dwight? <laughs> the Haven PD, I'd imagine Chief had like a separate uh, annual income set out for Dwight. Oh, yeah. So, he was also uh, in the military. So think about this. He was in Afghanistan for a while. You know, he was collecting paychecks over there and not spending any. So maybe he's got a little, you know, get a little nest egg left over from his. But then again, he had a daughter. That's a, a kid's a yeah. money sucker. Uh, oh, <laughs> no one knows it more than me. Yes. Well, there are people who know more than you who have way more kids. You have one kid. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where Dwight gets the money. I'd imagine the chief had annual, like, you know, a secret little account, you know, a little, you know, cook in the books to get some secret money to Dwight. Yeah, like black ops funding with the federal government, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, it's probably listed under some like potato farm in Idaho, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's uh, some lobster like yeah. shipper or something like that, but it's actually 100k to Dwight. Yeah, it's it's in the tickle stick, but out of the tickle stick budget. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, it's got to be a lot cuz his his resume's got to be absolutely insane like okay, I'm a uh, that experience of firearms, every type of vehicle, an electrician, uh, I know every form of construction. I know how to handle wild animals. I know how to like do this. It's like, okay, wow, you could get a job literally anywhere. So, so Dwight is basically Haven's MacGyver. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the the Hunter revelation. Um, I think I really liked the reveal. I, I liked kind of how that whole situation was handled because like, the way that they did get me where I'm like, Oh yeah, the Hunter, who's the Hunter, who's the Hunter. Like it kind of, you know, in your head, you're, you're only thinking of like a person and then it being like a meteor shower. You're like, Oh, okay. Like, cause it's from, you know, the constellation is like, Oh, like that's a really, I thought that was a really nice, like little clever, like twist. Yeah. I, I had this exact same observation. I thought that was excellent, excellent writing and very clever and i'm sure it wasn't you know i'm not taking any credit away from matt who wrote the episode i'm saying but i'm sure that was them and you know ernst and dunn the, the whole team saying you know here's what you know they opened here's, the... what, where we're, here's where we're gonna go with it how can we get there in a clever way that's kind of misleading and then you're like aha and that was that was good i was really impressed with them they opened the dusty tome that contains the eight seasons of lore they're like <laughs> flipping it's like gandalf looking through those books you know and like you know, and they're like, wow, here it is, the hunter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and what it does also that's really nice is it introduces the time lock. I've talked about this before. A time lock is like a concept in writing that, you know, is just literally adding a countdown, right? It's adding a time lock is like, okay, now you have X amount of time to solve this problem, which is just added inherent drama, right? Everything becomes so much more dramatic when you add that ticking clock. I watched uh, Angels and Demons for the first time last night, actually. Uh, a little hmm. little late to the party, but I had seen Da Vinci Code, but what made this one different was that ticking clock, right? It's like every hour a cardinal gets murdered and they're going to set off the fucking bomb in the Vatican City. So, like, you know, you have that ticking clock that really changes versus Da Vinci Code. Where it's like, yeah, well, we could just kind of hang out and, like, research stuff for a couple of weeks and uh, who yeah. really gives a shit, like... It's just more time for them to self-flagellate, you know? And <laughs> I mean, they had the monk coming after them, and I think the monk, you know, was murdering people, but really there wasn't really as much of like a time constraint. So they could kind of go do other things where it's like angels and demons, you know, everything is, you know, going because right. you have such a, a hard deadline, uh, which makes the ups the drama and makes it a little more fun. And then, you know, you can sound, you know, you can add a little ticking clock occasionally makes things dramatic. If you've seen Dunkirk, mm -hmm. the whole movie has a ticking clock from the second it starts to the second it ends. Or I think until it's resolved, I should say the conflict. 
I did see Dunkirk at the Alamo Draft House with some uh, lo loaded fries and a few Miller Lights. It was uh, quite an <laughs> enjoyable experience. Yeah. Look at me eating and drinking as these people are in this horrible situation. Wow, this uh, would really suck. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's ad blow. Who's who's got the next round? Yeah. yeah. But I was uh, I was thinking about that. You know, the article. I, like I said, I thought it was really clever, and I loved how they did it. But then I was thinking, uh, looking at old paper copies, wouldn't this be on microfiche? I mean, they've been doing microfiche uh, technology since the '60s. Yeah, I I I guess what was sorry, what was the format they the medium they found what? it in? Oh well, oh the they paper newspapers in, yeah, so well preserved that close well -preserved to the ocean. Physical copy. Yeah. yeah I it, used to it, it, I used to that? collect newspapers like they whenever I traveled in the army and for business. Whenever I'd go to, I'd like to buy the newspaper for that town. Right. And I'm telling you, like after two, three years, they're so faded and everything. And this th those look almost pristine. Uh, uh yeah, I was like, well, maybe they have like some like sealed chain you know airtight like safe or chamber that they a vacuum that they keep their yeah. papers yeah. well it, speaking of angels and demons they have <laughs> under <laughs> under the vatican they got the gigantic like archives that are all i'm kidding i don't think they have that in haven but yeah i thought too when i was looking at the newspaper i was like wow that newspaper looks pretty new kind of looks like the art department just printed that out and uh, handed it to duke even though it's from the 80s right uh, <laughs> And and I know those old timers would know about microfiche. I mean, it was yeah, um, but it's, it's you know neither here nor there. But it's just something I noticed. Uh, our older listeners might remember microfiche. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I mean, it's in the movies and stuff. You've seen like a movie from you know before the mid aughts or whatever. Like you know what you know you recognize microfiche from like older movies and shit. Even you know more later, I know, and I think in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they're looking at that, and that's in two thousand eleven. Ah. Uh, that barn was pretty cool looking. I got to say that barn that they were in, it was a kind of mm -hmm. cool, especially the exterior. They mentioned in the commentary how cool it looks. And I was kind of like, I was like, yeah, this is a really fucking badass looking barn. Like this doesn't look like a set or anything. It looks like a, a genuine like location. They found that looks really cool. Like the chipping uh, aqua paint. <laughs> yeah. And it had like, it had some different colors. I mean, dude, uh, how many barns have cellars? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that was a, uh, that was pretty unique, so I I think that th thought that was pretty cool as well. Uh, I really I really like how they brought the Dixie Boy uh, you know, yeah. store back. Yeah, we I, mentioned I, that. Yeah, I I really really like that. Even though in the commentary they don't even mention that it was for Maximum Overdrive, but uh, again they don't. So I thought that was pretty cool, and uh, which is something like when Nathan when when they're on the deck, Nathan's like, oh Audrey, we got to go. We we, we just got a ten eleven. So I just something I don't know whatever it was some intuition said that sounds like bullshit. So looked I looked up, up what's a ten eleven ten eleven. All I could find is identify identify frequency dispatching too fast. So mm. where the hell yeah that that has nothing, not, not, nothing to do with it. You know I'm not, I'm not a cop so I mean maybe there's some maybe I just didn't know where to look to find the right thing, but that's what I found in multiple locations for it. Yeah. You know? They just put something down. They didn't know what it was and they didn't, they figured we wouldn't, I didn't look it up. I was just like, whatever, you know, I, I think my brain kind of autopilot, like a yeah, cop speak. Here we go. Like anyway, next. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know that's, that's no, 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 but, but good catch. Good it, catch. It, it just, it's just, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I just said, you know, I'm going to look one of these up one of these times because <laughs> you know, they think we, uh, they think we don't know. They think we're stupid. They think no, we they don't, don't have think. the internet. Yeah, that we can't Wikipedia <laughs> everything, you know, which is uh, 
you know, Matt McGinnis is still in maximum overdrive mindset where he's like, uh, he's still thinking 80, was it 84, 86? I think it was 86, if I remember 86. correctly. 86, yeah, I was yeah. like, I think it's in the second half of the 80s. Hey, listeners, you can you can tweet in and, and say, yes, I remember the episode you cover, when you covered it, said it was in 86. <laughs> yeah, Just we don't know. At <laughs> least to get you to engage, yeah. We don't listen to what we do. Yeah, we just record it and send it in. There's a fucking 30-minute Ted Lasso talk in this. Uh, no editing at all. No, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's cool. I, we kind of talked about it. It was like everybody was pissed. Everyone was so pissed except for like Audrey and, uh, you know, Dwight. I mean, uh, Duke. So it was. And, yeah, and, you know, and Dave, when Vince came in and Vince uh, was like, oh, I stole the autopsy report. Dave was like, you are out of control. I was like, all right. I mean, well. I don't know. I, I kind of was like, all right, bro, chill out. And I was like, well, though, this dude did just steal like medical files. This is pretty bad. This is pretty. This is in real life. If like my friend or brother, if I had a brother, like came in and was like, hey, I lifted these like medical files. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's so illegal. So Dave's yeah. reaction is like in a real world, totally plausible. But like I, in a fictional world, I'm kind of like, all right, man, like chill out. But yeah, but it's hard to complain is. about because that is actually crazy as shit to steal like, <laughs> like yeah, break into report. a coroner's office and steal an autopsy report. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you would have had a brother, it would have been he would have been named Bocephus, you know, in honor of <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. But uh, I got a question for you. Uh, what did you think about Audrey and Nathan's police work at the Dixie Boy? Well, they go in and like the dude kind of fucks the whole thing up, right? Like, yeah, yeah. What? How, how are they letting him get anywhere close to that? Come on. Yeah, that, I mean that them. that was what I was wondering. Where I was like, "What are you doing?" I would have, well, I would have been like, immediately the second he came, been like, "Get the fuck out!" Like, you know, and like, because I mean, we've dealt with police officers before, and police are not like it's not like you can't come in there like, "Hey, you know, what do you what do you think?" Or like, kind of yeah, crazy, uh, right? They'd be like, "Get the you know, get out, get out!" Like, you need to leave what? right now. You're gonna give him a coat. Oh, let me get my bat, and I'm gonna come. What the? F- yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, that it just that. Now, that, a real that, detective would have grabbed him and been like, "You need, to, like, you need to leave right now. Like, if you interfere yeah. any further, that's like, you know, like yeah. interference with like police operations." Yeah, you know, and that it, so that just bothers me. And then you know, <laughs> I, I mean, did. I was kind of like lame. I was like, but they need to get a point that they need to get across the point that like he's, uh, you know a dog like you know the dog thing of him biting the guy they need to get to that situation which and, and there could have been a better dangerous there, yeah, there could have been a better dangerous. way to do it like maybe the guy is behind the counter and the dude is kind of got him cornered right and he's like you know and all he could do is call the cops right because he's cornered in his you know behind the counter and then as they're trying to deal with him the guy leaps over the counter and bites him in the neck you know then we would i would be like oh shit these guys are fucking scary like versus yeah. this where i was like you fucking moron if you had just w- left but maybe that's also part of the message, right? Is like they're dogs. Like if you leave them alone, like they're fine. But if you try to attack, then oh, of course they're gonna defend themselves. Boy, hey, I hey, 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 I'm hey. just playing angel's advocate here, you know. I'm just oh, trying to, just trying, to boy. trying to see, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a lot of heavy lifting for the riders on that one, but that was an yeah. option. Like I said I agree with you. I'm just yeah. throwing out an alternative as like maybe this is what they were going for. But like you, I don't think it worked. I right. think they shouldn't have done it the way they did, but that's what I think they might've been their thought process on that situation. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, that, that's, you know, and once again, you know, it's nitpicking, I, you know, I get that, you know, it's just, you know, it isn't, you know, it's still a very good episode, but it's just little things, especially when you're, you're preparing to speak about, you know, a, a show, you know, you're going to notice things, you know, and, you know, so, but it's, it's, right. it's, I think, I think with some, with some adjustments, it would have been a nine. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I think, cause I think it, it's not like an episode, like, it's not like an episode like who, what, where, when to go, where I was never going to give that episode a nine. You know what I mean? Just based on concept. I liked it more than you did. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. let's use let's use Sparks and Recreation or a Love Machine. <laughs> let's use Love Machine. Let's use Love Machine. Um, love Machine was ne- could never be a nine. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe if it was written by like Cormac McCarthy or something, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't think it could have ever been a nine. And that's fine. Um, and it didn't even hit its ceiling of where it could have landed. But this one, its ceiling, I think, was like a nine. It could have been a really great episode, but still a good. It's still a very good episode. I still like it for the most part. But if there was some adjustments, it could have been like a, a very good episode. Like, a, like, OK, like we got a good start going. Yeah, it, well, exactly. And uh, I, I would I would agree with you there. Just a couple of tweaks. Uh, you know, when I, the first time I saw the naked guys, mm-hmm. I was like, I am legend, you know, Omega man, here we go. Uh-huh. We've got some uh-huh. zombie, you know, you know, some, you know, genetically altered uh, super villains here. I was like, Oh, super- do we have like cloning going on again? I was like, I'm not sure. Obviously they're not, they don't look the same, but I was just like, maybe like somebody's like creating men out of like, I don't know their DNA or some shit. Oh, if we got another friend or foe with Cornell, <laughs> yeah. I would have, uh, you know, yeah. Another episode that, you know what? I actually say that concept had potential to like hit nine territory. Uh, they just obviously were nowhere near <laughs> the yeah, mark on yeah. that one. But I think that one could have been a very good episode. This one also, <laughs> this one, this one, I would have said if you just told me, yeah, it's an episode about dogs getting turned into people. I would have been like, oh boy. Yeah. I don't know about that one. That episode description would have been like, to me, like capped out at like a seven. I guess like, yeah, that could be a good episode, but I don't know about that. So I think, I guess all things said and done, I think it actually like reaches over its potential. In my opinion, the concept of dogs becoming humans is not a concept I like the sound of at all. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you about about the trouble. Just because you know, while it's a really good app, it's it's a very good episode, <laughs> and it, like you said, it could have been an excellent episode. It just like when I when I first figured it out figured it out i was like man, i don't know i can do i like this trouble i don't you know something's <laughs> just off about it i think it only works in this context if we even if we even adjust the mirror by five degrees or <laughs> our lens by five degrees and look at like any other interactions in the world that this character would have it breaks the concept completely uh like like oh, so what what you know once again like and this is this is kind of the trouble we run into with all troubles right is like what's the border of like what happens with this like what about insects do insects turn into people like if they i mean like i know they're kind of a different classification but how does the trouble distinguish between like mammals lizards insects like fish like you know what the you know so like the ants turn it like can you imagine if you fucking got an ant farm like what would happen there Uh, an aquarium what if you got like a fish tank yeah. what happens there a uh, flock of birds flies through the house what happens there yeah like or what if he and a fucking deer comes out on the road and he's got a you know a moose and he's got to shoot the moose like you know it's just like or he goes to a friend's house and they've got a dog i don't know it's like this whole thing is like that's broad 
That's really broad, dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, Audrey says she thinks his trouble is he, uh, he, him and his family, that whenever they try to slaughter an animal, so basically kill an animal, it turns human? I mean... It, what happens it, when okay. he eats a burger? Yeah. <laughs> but okay. Uh, orders so a basically, <laughs> so let's just say he was slaughtering a, a cow. So he takes the bolt, takes a bolt gun, shoots it in the head, then it turns into a dead human? <laughs> because it's or I guess when he when he lines it up against their forehead, then they turn into a human. That would be quite a shocker, right? Yeah, I don't know. Does it does if he orders a steak at a restaurant, does it turn into a person? I don't know. It's like <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> like, a person lying on the table, yeah. right? Or if you like, I said he almost runs over a deer or a moose. Does the moose turn into a person? It's kind of like it's kind of a, and I guess that comes down to intention is like slaughtering versus accidentally killing you know once it's just it's just crazy right so if he hits a bird on the road does it turn into a human body like like i don't know or bugs hitting his windshield does that turn into like a person it's really messy yeah so like i said if the lens is adjusted if we kind of just even look five degrees any direction it's like oh this doesn't work at all but right. i think yeah you, you got to stay like kind of laser focused to yeah, this keep it tight just, this t- the tight to this situation yeah otherwise because yeah i started i let my mind wander a little bit and i was like this is kind of ridiculous <laughs> and uh, i don't <laughs> yeah. know if this is a good idea but they, you know they, they made it work so because yeah the logistics don't really matter as, as long as like i th- i think i think a lot of the time logistics don't really matter as long as the emotional aspect of things work so the emotional aspect of the connection the dog and the people um works enough that you're i'm kind of willing like oh you know i'll let it you know whatever like fuck it like because yeah. it, it, it's working for me emotionally i'm willing to kind of so, let so, let the so, science like whatever yeah. let it lie let Suspend a sleeping disbelief. dog lie yeah. okay so a couple of uh, uh other things really really quickly is uh you know being formerly you know pharmacy i i had to look up the azapromazine uh, uh you know, the tranquilizer mentioned and they're, they're spot on. It's, it is a, it is a tranquilizer for, for dogs commonly, not, not just for putting them down, but also for like surgeries and uh, other things. And you can buy it online, but it does require a prescription. So seems like uh, the quick Google search looks like they got that one. Good. Not they fucked up 10, 11, but I was using Bing. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I think it might have been Bing, but uh, you guys don't use Ask Jeeves still. Come on, oh, oh. Hotbot, you know, from the 90s. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a little before my time. Yeah, yeah, you know, was, uh, that was the search engine I used um, the first time I went online. I, you know, initially I was like, you know, with, with the uh, the animal control shelter scene uh, with that, with the guy in the small cage, I was like, man, that's some pretty good special effects there. I'm like, uh, nope. I looked, that looked real. I'm so I'm like, that looks so realistic. And then I mean, we'll talk in the commentary as a real guy there, Randy, Randy Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. Stunt guy squeezed himself in. They said he was uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that I was just, I was really impressed with that. So that was pretty cool. I, I really liked like the scene where uh, Cookie found Liam and then Audrey and Claire are talking and then Claire's and Claire's like, uh, yeah, you know, you get them on the, you get them on the front line. I get them afterwards. And she's talking about how she, uh, you know, works with Thornton and how she's got in, uh, 
Hadley to give up the snow globes. And she even mentions Louis, speaking of love machine, you know, getting him interested in gardening versus uh, machines. machines. Yeah. So, and it's like, it's like really cool. It's like, oh, Claire, Claire Callahan's really interwoven in, into the fabric of Haven and we didn't realize it. And I thought that was a really great way you know, kind of to write her in. And we'll, we'll talk more about the commentary and what it says about Claire. And uh, I like the character intro. I do. I'm like, isn't it weird to introduce a character in the second episode instead of the first, right? It's like, kind of like, well, you know, and obviously the first, the last, the first episode of season three is kind of just a continuation of, this is like the real, like, that's almost like the first episode of season three was almost like the finale of season two, part two. And yeah, this is yeah, kind of the real like first episode of season three in a way. Um, that one, cause that one's like almost like a continuation directly of exact events, like hours, day, like a day, you know, same day, whatever. Whereas like this one's kind of like, okay, now we've kind of done the season reset. Like if Duke had long hair starting here, I'd be like, okay, I'll buy it. It's still ridiculous, but I'll, I can buy it. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, and I enjoyed that we got a we, we got a new character, and and I hate you know it's kind of because we're watching on the Blu-ray, and then like the menu screen, you know, you know, and after I see they introduce Claire Callahan, I'm like, oh, they're probably going to give us a new character, like they're going to probably space out the introductions of the of the new characters just on that. Yeah, I think doing a therapist is good. I think another law enforcement agent would have been like not good. It would have been kind of like, okay, how many times are we going to pull this rabbit out of our hat? So I think doing like a therapist is a good idea. It's always, you know, I feel like that's kind of a, a nice band-aid for uh, TV shows. It's like, yeah, we'll throw a therapist in there because it's kind of like our way of letting the writers kind of be in the world and comment on the characters to, for the audience. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I, I agree. I, I liked uh, the way they introduced Claire and now she's part of the fabric and we'll see how they, uh, you know, we'll see how they treat her through the, the future. Because they historically haven't been the best to some of our, you know, corollary yeah. characters. Well, you yeah. know, Evie lasted a little longer, or Evie lasted a little longer, but Jess Minion, you know, pretty yeah. poorly Evie, handled. I think Evie's got the record for now. She's got <laughs> she's got the title. Um, you know, and then uh, what was Julia? Right, Julia, we had like for like three episodes or something. Then they're like, yeah, she went to Africa. Kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, a, <laughs> Julia Carr. That's all right. Uh, Oh, Doc Car Carr's daughter. Uh, I really, uh, one thing also about, you know, towards the end there at the goal, I, I really like how they had Nathan just love petting the dog and, you know, that he's, you can see he's an animal lover and like he loves babies. So that's cool that he's consistent. At least finally they let him be something besides pissed. I mean, was, uh, <laughs> should that, you that let him good. handle your dog or baby though? He can't feel how, you know, he doesn't know how much force he's applying. I would, I would assume you would, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's uh, trustworthy. So uh, he accidentally chokes it. He goes all yeah. of mice and men, you know, and doesn't know his strength and he chokes him to death. You know, yeah. his middle name yeah. is Lenny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, the, 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 the last scene is kind of, you know, it's a conflicting scene, you know, that's cool that Tor is going to get a second chance with a new dog and Liam gets a dog after, you know, poor Jesse's a little passing. dangerous though. What if the dog, you know, mm goes Cujo and he has to take it out. Yeah, and if well, he thinks about killing it, it's like, well, got another he's gonna be, human. <laughs> he's going to be killing a human. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. presumably it'll turn to a human before they're killed. And, <laughs> but you know, and it just, it's kind of sad that Audrey's like, it wouldn't work out. And that she's like resigned to her fate. 
you know, just kind of, I, mean, I think Rick, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Regardless if she's like resigned, she still knows she has some big bullshit she has to deal with. Like, and what if she gets kidnapped again? Her life is just too complicated to really like introduce like an innocent dog, right? It'd be like trying to yeah. have a kid during this situation. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I have no problem with, you know, the concept mm-hmm. and, the, and the writing. I just said it's kind of sad. Yeah, you know, no, it is it, sad. You know, but that's, it's a conflicting you know. moment. Hey, you know, there's, you know, there's the good, the good part, but, you know, there's this sad part. That was right. it. And then the, kind of the, the last thing, well, you know, what did you think about Lucchese being the coroner now and his Wednesday surfing trips and. I mean, they've called him in to look at bodies before they did on the shipwreck with uh, James Garrick. He came and like took a look at the body for them. So that's not really new per se. Maybe, you know, there's, I think just like a shortage on doctors. Uh, I mean, I think once they pulled that card out of their, you know, out of their sleeve, it's kind of here to stay. And I think it also lines up because um no 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 no. i'm gonna stop you on that right okay 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 the the body at the at the shore he found that body while he was out there uh lobstering right no 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 no. the dude found it remember the dude who went in the ship found the body oh that's a different yeah garrick episode there was an episode Uh, where casey happened to have I was thinking the gloves on him when he like found a body or whatever. Yeah. That's the tides that bind my mistake. My mistake. Um, May culpa, may culpa. But uh, I think, uh, I I think it's fine. And I I think it's, I think, yeah, sure. It's a little wonky, but you can be like, well, it's a small town shortage on doctors for starters. Who's taking care of the people at the Freddy. When's he doing his research into uh, once a week, you know, that's a Friday thing. Yeah. Or he bills that, you know, he bills that he goes down Friday and really he's hitting, you know, the fucking rusty whatever. The, what was that bar that got crashed by the giant ball? The, the rusty, rusty bucket. bucket. Yeah. Yeah. But he's really at the rusty bucket again, getting his weekend started a little early. He used to hang out with Van and Joe, but uh, now it's just him. Uh-oh. But I was going to say, I think it's nice having a coroner that we know because, well, one, there's a lot of dead bodies to deal with. But number two, because the coroner was like, I feel like the coroner's office is an aspect of the Colorado kid novellas, like kind of universe, right? Like mm-hmm. it's kind of talked right. about a lot. So I think it's nice if we, you know, have a more, more of a presence of a coroner just because it's another like little thing that lines up, you know, kind of connects us a little closer to the novella. Cause even though the coroner's not necessarily there, it's the assistant or whatever, but we're like kind of talking about the coroner's office a bunch. Yeah, no, and, and so I mean, I, the, in a town like Haven, the, the coroner's office is going to be involved in a lot of things. You know, well, not a lot of things. Deaths. You know, it's not like they're going to be like getting making sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heard you need to work on your tractor. We're here. Well, you, you know, that's what they said about the Freddy. You know, come for the food, stay for the drugs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken salad too. They were eating that day. That's you know, right. When, that's right. When when LeBron James became sentient. Uh, <laughs> what a sentence out of context um yeah yeah no nothing negative against lebron being said there no that's just no no uh, no i know i know i know uh poking fun of it you know another thing about it was i'm like surfing how much surfing are they doing up in maine it's always summer up there <laughs> yeah so I, I looked it up they do there is a lot of surfing it's very it's popular and right. there's people 
you just have to wear like you know basically thick you have to get the right equipment but yeah there's people who enjoy sur- surfing during snowstorms and uh i was thinking about that and then uh, i have a friend who runs a nonprofit organization that takes uh uh wounded warriors primarily amputees and teaches them adventure sports you know mountain biking you know rappelling yeah. and diving and he's going on a trip up to maine to take some guys diving in maine and uh, he there just told go. me yesterday and i was like and I, I had previously looked up that there's really diving in Maine. Because I, I guess, uh, uh, and he knew the exact area where it's uh, southern Maine near Portland is some of the, mm-hmm. the, the best surfing. I wonder, being that Eric and Sean Pillar are such big surfers, I wonder if they've surfed in Maine. Probably not, because they live in L.A. and this shoots in Nova Scotia. <laughs> I've, yeah, but I doubt Eric- they've actually been to Maine. Oh, that's true. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. really wrapped up into the into the fiction, into the lore. It's a, I mean, it's the the book's huge. It's a full of eight seasons. It got eight seasons to go through, so <laughs> there could be some surfing. And, uh... So let's talk about the commentary. Uh, for starters, I don't know if we mentioned it last episode, but the the main menu to find the audio commentary is a million times better than it was in season two, where it was like the go to scene selection, then you have to move over not to a scene, but the other thing that says play is like so hidden that it was hard to, I remember the first time I was like, where the fuck is the audio commentary? This time, just a big button says audio commentary. Then you just select the episode you want to listen to the commentary to. Couldn't be happier. No, uh, yeah, uh, season two was just asinine. I mean, how long did it take? I can't remember how long it took me to even figure out how to access them. I mean, it- uh, Yeah, real pain in the ass. I think I discovered it first, right? I told you, right? Yeah, I hadn't quite looked for it yet, though. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> to be fair, you discovered how to get the season one discs back into the, you know the, that was a into the case. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so this commentary uh, starts off pretty rough, man. Like, how about some starts quality control? <laughs> oh. Well, I should, I should say in terms of like the production value of it, starts off with them like getting notes from the producer that they're talking about the wrong stuff. Uh, yeah. And then at one point, I guess they mute their TV, but like Pat McGinnis thinks that they're muted. So he's not saying anything. Cause he thinks that they're, that we can't hear them. And then he's just like, is it muted? Is it muted? Like over and over. And then figures out that it's just their TV that's muted. And then they turn that back on. And then for like the last five yeah. minutes, there's just no commentary. It's just like, they kind of stop and like, it's not like a hey, yeah. we're done. Oh, or goodbye. It's just kind of like, like it's over. It, it, just abrupt. It, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be cool if they say, "Well, that's all I really got to say for this episode. Thanks yeah, for yeah, listening, yeah. and we'll let you watch the, you know, as the scene plays yeah, out." Yeah, of course. But, you know, so uh, we, I don't think we mentioned we we mentioned Matt McGinnis uh, on it, but it's also you know co-hosted by I guess well, Gabriel commenting. Stan. Uh, Gabriel Stanton. They're both executive producers for the show, and Matt right. wrote this episode. Ga- Gabriel writes episodes as well. well so. Yeah, so he's like the story, the showrunner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, he's quite the showrunner, but he runs the writer's room or whatever. He's like the writing manager or whatever the technical phrase is. Uh, the technical, like the true credit. Uh, but Gabrielle is going to become the showrunner. She's going to take uh, Ernst and Dunn's spot in the later seasons. So she's pretty critical to the stuff that goes on with Haven. Right. So to basically get used to her. Yeah. So we got two of the big dogs. Like, well, she's go- mm-hmm. going to become, I don't know how important she is at this stage, but she's going to become the point person. Uh, I think starting in season four. 
And then Matt McGinnis, obviously, he's got a big role. So uh, we got two important people. And yet, not, not a very riveting commentary. You know, it's just kind of, eh. Oh, it's, it's, it's god-awful. It's, 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 it's <laughs> would... just god-awful commentary. I mean, there's a couple cool things in it, you know, that it's just uh, – and to be fair to them, they, 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 you know, they state right at the beginning – that uh, you know, this is their first commentary they've ever done, and that's painfully obvious throughout the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I can mention, uh, you know, okay, so at one point, Matt, you know, Matt can't stop talking about all oh, the naked men. I wish they were more naked. They should be more naked. And yeah. then G- Gabrielle's just you know, kind of egging him on on it. I'm like, right, rein him in. He's getting out. And then he goes off about uh, you know the, the big muscular. Uh, uh, okay, naked but that man. guy was like. That was like eye catching. The first time I saw him, Bowflex. He's credited. Check the credits. He's credited as as Bowflex. The guy's name is, in fact, the guy's name is John Atwoods. Is Bowflex? But dude, when I was watching that scene, I was like, "Am I seeing things? This guy's like chest is fucking huge." I was like, "This must be like a trick of this particular shot." And then other shots are like, "No, this guy is." Legit, just freakishly gigantic. Holy shit. So I get the, like, uh, sense of, like, uh, I don't know, just amazement at this guy's, like, physique of, like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) Like, this isn't normal. This guy's chest is just too big. Yeah, I mean, and there's clearly at points where, uh, you know, Matt's not even clearly not even paying attention to the screen because he's like uh, oh yeah we you know we got this kind of you know we were worried about this mallet you know this big mallet and it is ridiculous it, you know uh, <laughs> yeah when you see it it is fucking yeah. it's like some shit from like like Harley Quinn's mallet from like Suicide Squad or something or whatever her fucking shit. Yeah, it's yeah, like this gigantic yeah. mallet. But where did he find the carnival mallet? You <laughs> yeah. know, it's a fucking carnival mallet. But, and, I, 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 hey, I can actually understand this because like when you see things as like they're shot and stuff, it sometimes seems like things are way more prominent. And then when you see the episode cut, you're like, Hey, where was that thing? Like, I'm not at all. Like things get buried in edits. So I understand him thinking like, yeah, yeah. Like the mallet should be around here or something. And then it not showing up until like that shot where she's like, there it is. Like, and finds it And it's in the background. It's not like, yeah. it's not like a shot's focused yeah, on this honest, giant mallet. <laughs> I didn't I catch really it. didn't notice it when I watched it. I didn't catch yeah. it. But then when they pointed out, I'm like, that, that is absolutely ridiculous. But Man, you know, how did you guys let that go? Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Because... How did it even get in there? <laughs> Maybe they thought it was I funny. Mean... I know on the show I work on, the props guy can be a bit of like a, he can be a bit of a trickster and he likes to do little tricky things every once in a while. So like, I'm wondering if as a props person, he's like, fuck it, let's just put it in and see if anybody notices and people on set are probably like, what's up with that? And kind of let it slide until later. And the editors and producers are like, okay, any shot where that thing is like super visible, don't use it. Like just in like the one shot, you can kind of see it. And it's enough in the background that it's not, you know, I didn't catch it when I was watching it uh, cold. Right. So like for sure they like hit it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I'll agree that I think the commentary wasn't, I think more importantly, regardless of how they, I don't know, obviously the relationship in the writer's room, but like, the chemistry was just bad. Like the chemistry was just really bad between them. Um, like in the moments where I think he felt like joking, she wasn't. And when she felt like joking, he was not like having it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, mean, I think she, she, she had, she had the line of the commentary. Though. Which one? 
Okay, so when uh, it's the scene where Nathan discovers all the naked dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not (laughs) lying on the floor. And they they show it and she's like, oh, it's like Coachella. Yeah. (laughs) That was that was hilarious. No, 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 that was good. That was good. I, I, yeah, there was times where I felt like she was trying to like, you know, lead into a more humorous thing and he wasn't really getting it. And then there was times where he kind of was like saying stuff and she didn't seem interested in like continuing that train of thought either. He, he fucking audibly yawns at one point. <laughs> you could hear him yawn. I mean, come on, man. Not even we I have audible yawns. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, they're muffled, you know, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> Matt McGinnis uh, did a good job writing this episode. His commentary uh, expertise are not, uh, not up to par. I'll say that. Yeah. Also, yeah. the weird connection... I don't know. This kind of made me do like a double take, you know, as I was, I was looking at something else and as I was hearing, I was like, what is he saying? Was uh, his 2001, uh, his 2001, th- yeah. like connected thread. He's like, yeah, this is our kind of our homage to 2001. I was like, what? No, 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 no. This is not a connection to 2001, a space odyssey. Like what? Yeah. what? So hell. Hal learned how become become sentient and decides to you know no 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 I think he's referencing the the primates at the beginning learn to use the bone tools to kill each other mm. uh, so he's like oh yeah the mm. dogs are learning to use tools to kill humans I was like yeah in no way did like you know what come to my mind is like you know what this is like that scene in two thousand one at the beginning when the fucking you know early men are learning to use tools like just like that no sorry didn't come oh to that's mind at so, all. see yeah, yeah i thought he was just talking about like uh you know how you know eventually t- turning against humans but well, that yeah. would be quite a stretch if he was trying to compare well that that, that's be- why i thought i thought it was even more ridiculous but yeah what you say makes sense but that's still ridiculous so, yeah that's yeah. still a gigantic leap and there's things like that like obviously when i'm writing stuff i'll be like oh yeah this is kind of coming from like this place in my mind or like from this movie i've seen but I would never expect anyone to catch what I was thinking about in that term. Like, uh, like in certain aspects, there's certain aspects, you know, you do that are direct references. Obviously love machine is a direct reference to maximum overdrive, uh, but definitely not. Somebody actually in the wild brought up maximum overdrive at work. They were like, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're like super coked out. Like everybody on maximum overdrive. And I was like, wow, I'd never thought I would hear somebody mention maximum overdrive in just my normal day life. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, unless they were talking about, you know, the uh, the all time Razzies, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, like 2001 reference. I was like, OK, I'm not a very big Kubrick fan, to be honest. I'm not. Uh, I don't really <laughs> it's like sound like such an asshole. I don't really drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, I think he's great. Uh, but it's a little too mechanical, too tightly wound. I don't think there's a lot. I don't think there's enough humanity in his films to for me. But yeah, I, I like 2001 uh, a lot. Eh. I, I like, you know, I'm not a big Clockwork Orange fan. Everyone else I know loves it. I just. I, I don't know, man. I don't think I would compare myself, my my episode of Haven to 2001. Like, yeah, it's just like, you know, I wouldn't make a short film and be like, yeah, dude, it's pretty much like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm trying to like think of what I could even yeah. compare it to. I wouldn't be like, yeah, you know, it's basically uh inception or interstellar but you know like as a student film like that would be pretty bold to claim i I did this episode of uh you know for you know 
independent cable channel, a local access network. And <laughs> you kind of, it's kind of like the, the Citizen Kane of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I know that's not exactly what he was doing, but it was just a funny poll where I was like, ah, calling bullshit on that, buddy. Yeah. 2001, I'm sure, is on AFI's like top 100 list or top, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. So I was uh, like, this is. That, <laughs> What's that? American Film Institute, yeah. for those who don't know. Not the band AFI, which, you I know. I don't think anyone was thinking that. <laughs> they don't but, think it's, uh, a, oh, A Fire Inside likes 2001? Uh, uh, yeah, I was like, this is just like the Randall Flag denim jacket thing all over again. Or they're like, yeah, it's just like that. And you're like, this is such a tangential connection. Like, unbelievable. If they really wanted to, to, to do it... it did it have a smiley face? I don't think remember it having a smiley face. It didn't. It. If they really wanted to, but that might maybe that gets into like rights issues. Yeah, that might be copyright something. Yeah, so be I'll I'll give them a pass, but maybe they Param- shouldn't take such pride in it though. Maybe you know? Paramount's like, don't, don't <laughs> even think about it. We're gonna take a decade to make a stand TV show and it not be very good. Oh but- yeah, <laughs> I, I read the story of that today, which we'll pr- cover at some other point, but. Yeah. Uh, Whew, what a winding road that was oh yeah like dark tower this whole like hullabaloo of like do we do it like this do we do it like this do we do it like this uh and we made a piece of shit movie like and the whole thing's dead it's like great thanks a whole once piece you of told, shit movie. <laughs> What's once that? you told me it sucked I, I i couldn't watch it i bought it and I, I don't i bought it on a 4k and i can't watch it because you told me it sucked just know that it's jake is the main character of the of the movie and you're like uh, okay that's not <laughs> what that's, the fuck <laughs> that's not the dark tower yeah, I, yeah. I, i'm not even gonna waste my matter of fact i'm gonna take uh that 4k to the uh the, the city the, uh, dump no i'm just kidding i'm gonna take it to the disc exchange yeah <laughs> uh yeah and just the beginning of the commentary with like him getting like notes he's like oh, i'm being given a note by the producers kind of like what? And that we're not talking about the right stuff. I mean, that's that's so unprofessional. That's what the thing that just came out throughout yeah. this. It was unprofessional, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's how I felt. Like, and keep, kinda, that, keep that quiet. Maybe you know he was clearly visibly annoyed, or maybe he didn't want to do the commentary at all. But I don't know. I feel like doing a commentary is like fun. I don't know. You get to talk about your fucking episode. This is the time where you get to talk about all the stupid shit that like nobody ever finds out about right like through your like you know like i think charles ardai really grabbed you know this that situation and was like oh this is my chance to fucking tell every, like spill all my fucking beans about the stuff that people don't realize about like my books my writing like my imprint line my publishing line yeah yeah i mean and- which is what we want that's why we're listening to it, is we want the information and like like i said i want some jokes here and there. that's fun but like i want the fucking you know i want the information i want the behind the scenes that's what this is so maybe the, no. the producer was right. Talk about the right stuff. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, it was um, just, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was just very dis- dis- disappointing to me that, uh, you know, was it really worth it for what I've learned? Because there are some, there are some nuggets, but I'll tell you one thing and uh, is that there's that part where Gabrielle is like, uh, she's like, Hey, shouldn't have Tor asked his grandparents why can't he have animals? But then Matt's oh, yeah. like, <laughs> Matt's like, no, it in the house I grew up in, no, because you were just beaten, and I, I couldn't. I, it didn't sound like a joke. No, it didn't sound like a joke. Well, no, because 
that's not the way it was delivered. The way he, she's like, wouldn't his parents tell him about this? Like when he asked his parents about that, and he's like, yeah, not in my household. And then there was like a pause. He's like, you were just beaten. Like, and I was like, oh, okay. Like that wasn't like a punchline. That was just a like, that's like one of those like those people who share too much information, you know, where you're like, oh, you know, you didn't need yeah. to put that in there. Like, uh. <laughs> uh, let me show you on, on the, on the bear where he touched me. Yeah, no, we don't need that. Uh, it was, it, it just, you know, with uh, all the naked, you know, extra naked stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that crazy shit right there. The, you know, I don't think, I didn't think it was like, I didn't think the naked thing was at all a bad. I didn't, uh, I didn't, it didn't. I, Dude, it just, he just comes across as kind of a weird dude to me, man. It just this, it was just like, hey, like I was just kind of like, all right, he's not saying anything like important or like relevant or funny or like anecdotal. But I wish like that's what more my issue is versus like that. I was like, oh, why is he talking about these naked guys? I didn't really mind as much as I was like, I wish this was more valuable. Oh, then he's like, at one point, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, we really need naked girls. And it's like, oh, there's one. There's one. We we need. She's more. wearing a sweater. He says she's wearing yeah. a sweater. Yeah, no. Like I said, it's just, it's just weird, dude. He's just <laughs> he's a he's a different cat. I and mean, that's okay. Every you know, nothing wrong with being a different cat, as long as you never, don't harm anyone else. Uh. But, yeah, just weird. I mean, there were good things, you know, that you know, and besides talking about, there's a lot of plaid in Haven. Of course, there's yeah. plaid in Haven. It's a it's a fishing area. Um, some but. interesting stuff that they didn't talk about that I have found out later on the on the wiki was that uh, our episode was Jordan McKee, mm-hmm. so who so. plays Kate, was credited but didn't actually appear in the episode, so they were cut out clearly, and they'll become important later. Uh, and very, this is the- <laughs> very important. Yeah, and this marks the first and only episode to re- receive a viewer discretion warning. I'm guessing for the naked men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then our our song at the end of the episode was Kathleen Edwards and John Roderick. I was doing some I was wondering, I was like, is this going to be another pillar records situation? So I looked I was up. thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked it up and Kathleen Edwards is on uh, a company that used to be called Maple Music Recordings. Uh, they're now called Cadence Recordings. But uh, some artists who are apparently are signed to this record label, there's some interesting ones. Uh, one you like fits in the tantrums is on here. Okay, uh, I still for uh, pound for pound best concert you could go to for fun, just for fun. Not saying their music's the best. It's most fun I've ever had at a concert. Uh, Silver Sun Pickups is on here. Oh, I uh, love Silver Sun Pickups. Yeah. Uh, I don't recognize a ton of names, but uh, I know Cold War Kids is on here. Radiohead oh. is on here. Oh. Come on, Radiohead. And bands, bands that used to be on here, there is, hold on, there was a couple interesting ones. Three, 311 used to be on this record label. Uh, Tegan and Sarah used to be on this record label. And they went pop. They went pop. And Carly Rae Jepsen used to be on this <laughs> record label. I'm sure there's a bunch of bands that you would know that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Those are just ones that I knew. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was, yeah, I was like, is this another? But it's just, a, it's a Canadian record label. So, yeah, it makes sense, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure somewhere down the line you look there's some stock and it owned by Pillar. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, you know, there were a couple other uh, cool things that, that I thought about it. Uh, one thing, like Matt mentions, that the actress uh, who's playing Claire, she got there close to the, the start of the shoot, 
So she, they started shooting. And then he said, after three minutes, I had to stop and go talk to her to tell her who this character is. And I'm like, you don't tell them that before you start shooting. I mean, I know she got there close to shoot, but I mean, there's a, probably a situation where like (laughs) they do things and like, if it's that if casting cut it that close in production, you know, how to deal with her, he probably just didn't have time for like any of them to get to talk to her. Like in certain situations, it's just like, especially if casting is that late, then there's a good chance that they kind of like rolled her right onto set without having much of like a conversation with anyone. So, and that's why I was curious about that being, you know, I'm not in, in, in being that I'm not in the industry or anything like that. So I, you know, I've never been on a film set. So cool. Okay. Uh, Matt, Matt has, you know, like some other neat things, Matt, he like, he's like when Jesse puts on like that overcoat, uh-huh. he's like, he's like, I didn't like the way Jesse put on the overcoat. Cause he's a dog. And that's supposed to be the first time. Cause he puts it on. And then he like does the thing where you flip the, you flap the collar. Like, uh, and he's like, he's yeah, like, that looks like he's done it a thousand times. I completely agree with that. Even though I didn't catch it when I watched it. You know, I, the first time. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I'll say some certain things is like one, yeah he's also the writer not the director so you know like that's up to pillar to have like made that call and you know obviously he can still make commentary on it that he didn't like that like decision two jesse's watched humans a lot jesse watched how to fucking handle a gun pretty quickly if there had been like a thing where we saw earlier in the episode somebody do that with their collar in front of like or if we noticed tor does that or something then you'd be like oh that's fucking clever and maybe there was and maybe it got cut like uh maybe it ended up on the cutting room floor like something i said tells me something tells me no something tells me no but i'm just saying because, that, because that matt be would have mentioned matt wrote the episode so he, he right. would have been like he's like yeah I have, the way i wrote it there was a scene sure. you know but, but since also, that was cut out this looks ridiculous but that also could have been a call on the director pillar could have also been like you know what like to kind of connect yeah he, he can make like story adjustments as the director and stuff like that he could have been like that's enough of like a small enough change that pillar could have been like Hey, like both of you pop your collar like that. So it's like, you know, the dog does what the owner like. Yeah. Does. Yeah. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not a big deal. I didn't notice the first time. So I'm not yeah. like, like cracking on him. I'm just saying though, once he points it out to me and I'm like, duh, that's obvious. I should have, I should have noticed that. So it's not a big deal. I just, you know, I think it's, I think it, it's cool I think, that he was willing to kind of yeah. call himself out on that. Well, when it's not calling himself out because you're saying he didn't write that part, it would have yeah. been Pillar he's calling out on that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I mean, he might want to be careful with that. Even. Yeah, uh, you, don't, you don't you don't mess with the pill man. <laughs> um, pill man gets paid. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, so I don't know. I think, but I think that's explainable in universe that he could have learned that from a <laughs> yeah. human. So it's not as like a big deal to me. Yeah, and. Uh, let me see. Uh, it was interesting to learn that Cookie the dog is actually Sean Pillar's dog, Sloan. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's brought up Sloan before in previous commentaries, mm-hmm. but we've never seen Sloan. Yeah, so now we know what Sloan looks like, and uh, that was pretty interesting. And uh, and this I was curious. I want your opinion on this. So Matt says that, and all the people involved in Haven, only two people can drive the Bronco. Lucas and one transportation guy calls him a transpo guy. Yeah, that's and, what you, you know, call them. Is they're called transpo on set. Okay, so <laughs> and what I I was like, was that uh, was he joking? It kind of seemed to me like they're the only two who could figure out how no, they, to drive they, the Bronco. They they've mentioned in a previous Aud- uh, Audrey Emily Rose has mentioned in a previous commentary that it's like this stick shift and the way it just kind of handles and like the way it like shifts and stuff that everybody else just kind of doesn't do what it always, you know, 
um, and nobody else can handle it. And that only Nathan and, or sorry, uh, Lucas and one transpo guy are the ones that know how to like drive it correctly. Cool. Cool. Man. So I miss, I forgot that from whenever uh, that yeah, it, it's, but. I think it's, it's not like a huge, but she does mention that. Yeah. She's like, yeah. Like she's like, I wish I could drive the Bronco sometime, but like Lucas and one guy in transpo are the only guys who are the only people on set who know how to like drive the Bronco actually. So that's uh that's pretty cool of uh, Lucas Bryan, huh? To uh, to, yeah, drive his own vehicle correctly. Because kind of when they say that, it's making me envision a stick on the column, a stick shift on the column. And those are, oh, oh I don't know how to drive one of those. I mean. Oh, I don't know. Uh, you, I don't know if you've ever seen one. My my sister, who at the time lived in Los Angeles, half-sister, who lived in Los Angeles, had one. She had an old, mm-hmm. I don't remember what make, but uh, I mean, the model was a Rambler. And, hey, man. I think had a stick on the column and that was our only, you know, my mom couldn't even, my mom was the only one who could kind of figure it out. Cause they had one on the, when she was growing up on a farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, made, that, that, that's pretty cool to, to learn, but I was just wondering if that was, you know, is he joking or, you know, is that because they only allow these two people to touch it? But no, that, I mean, typically cool. too, like I would imagine with the show, they don't have a ton of vehicles. So I would imagine they probably only have one, it's called picture cars or picture vehicles. It's called like picture vehicles. You hear them call it picture cars. And that's the vehicle specifically meant to be on screen or picture cars. So like mm. on the show I work on, there's uh, a lot of like vehicles sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot of vehicles and like big vehicles. So like they'll have a handful of picture guys, picture car like guys who they, their job is they hang around and when we need the car moved, they'll move it. And if there's a specific shot where like, you know, it needs to be dri- like, so like, if Lucas is sitting in the Bronco, what they'll do is like in between shots, he'll get out and the other guy will like move it typically. Uh, and they only have them drive it when it's actually the camera rolling. And most of the time they'll try not to have them do it. But if it's like, Hey, we need to see them driving. Like at the end, you see Lucas actually driving the Bronco himself. Right. Um, but because of the camera movement, I'm sure they were like, eh, we'd rather not, but you know, is, is that a, like a liability issue? Right. Yeah. You don't want your actors actually drive. You only want specific, <clears throat> people like even touching the picture cars like at all because of like insurance stuff and blah 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 and then actors are insured themselves so like that's a whole other thing a couple other uh lingo things he says from film sets i don't know if you know what these are is he said you know when he was talking about having to uh direct claire on her character he said he was at video village listening on his headphones video village is basically the big ass monitors that they where they you know the director of photography is watching what's happening and I, and sometimes the director too it depends on their setup but it's like uh two or three monitors where they're watching what all the cameras are doing and from there that's where like you know the dp is like radioing to the cameraman like no no no, no do this or like to the lighting guy like no no, no okay i could bring in another one or like turn it down or something like that so typically the writer will be on TV shows, what I've seen is like the writer hangs out at Video Village. A writer will go hang out at Video Village. It doesn't have to be like the writer of the episode, but typically is. Um, they'll go hang out there and like offer, you know, notes from the writing staff. Uh, so oh. that's, and Video Village also is like where they charge a lot of batteries and shit too. Um, uh, and then there's the phrase on the day, which is one of my least, is so fucking stupid. On but the back day. To vi- but back to Video, Video Village, Village uh, you know, if they're at the video village, doesn't that make them video village people? No, uh, I'm gonna let. Oh. I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that. That one's cut. All right. <laughs> uh, on the day is like 
basically on the day just means when we're literally shooting. So like if you're standing somewhere, someone will come up to you and be like, okay, so on the day we're going to be looking over here, which means you need to get the fuck out of here. Like before the camp, before like we're done setting up. Um, mm. I don't know why they said on the day. It's one of the dumbest phrases. I don't get it. I don't know why they say it. I hate it. It's one of those ones. It's one of the jargon that I absolutely despise. It's probably some like a uh, famous, someone famous, like director, someone on set said it one time, probably erroneously on ax or on accident. And then everyone just bunch of, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's how that liquors. Yeah. So uh, the last thing is he gives a very gigantic, you know, I, I don't know if I could say gigantic reveal and I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to ruin you know, oh, yeah, what yeah, the yeah, reveal yeah, is, yeah, yeah. but that is horrible. And then, you know, and, and well, Gabrielle even tries to stop him, too. Mm-hmm. So he gives a huge spoiler for like later in the season. And Gabrielle even tries to prevent. She's like, hey, well, I don't know if we're supposed to like mention spoilers like that big. And he's like, ah, whatever. Well, yeah, at like, first oh, he's okay. like, oh, he's like, oh, well, OK. And then he's like, kind of he's kind of like, fuck it <laughs> and just runs with it. Yeah. And she's like, whoa, you know, she's kind of like react. She's kind of like clearly does not agree with his decision to to spoil something he spoils the fate of a certain character and you're like because at the beginning he does mention he's like oh yeah they're dog people and she's like oh yeah i don't know if we're supposed to like say that like yeah and he's like no it's fine they've seen the episode and then like and then he like makes a huge spoiler that i was like i I was actually annoyed because in the past you've been angrier and i've been like well you know think about it we've i literally just last episode we talked about this where i'm like well think about it you know you've seen the season or something but i was like all right this one is unnecessary like blatant and like this isn't like a oh well you know to really talk about this situation there's really no way around it right like yeah how about talk about that fucking thing when it's in the episode when it actually happens in that episode that's the play point place to talk about or it. even if we get like a sense that something like that is going to happen like you're like oh i kind of feel like this is like i feel like we're kind of moving towards this direction with this like like with Jess Minion, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of feel like this is going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know, she was a plot device. Yeah. Right. So, I, <laughs> and so if you could feel that or like Evie, you're like, yeah, this isn't going to like end well. Or like you knew Audrey Fraudry had to like kind of end in a certain way. So like or, you know, you know, certain things had to happen. So like this is kind of like you didn't at all need to say this. And like this isn't like specific to the episode. Like I know before Ernst and Dunn did spoil Car- uh, I was gonna say Carolyn for some reason. Uh, spoil uh, is it Evelyn Carr is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spoiled the doctor's death. Like, but I think it was the episode before, like that it happened. I think he spoiled it that episode right before it happened. Which I'm like, still annoying, still annoying. I'm not particularly happy about that. Well, uh, and because there was, we had no signs that there would be a reason for Doctor Carr to to die. You know, yeah. it was it was a spontaneous event. You know, yeah, and it was kind of like in mid conversation. He didn't make a point of it. It was like because uh, I think when we first watched it, you didn't catch it. I caught it because he's kind of talking about a bunch of stuff, and it just kind of slips in there where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And then when she dies, and you know, we do, then you're like, what? Uh, yeah. This one he makes like so that I can even I can understand because it's hard for them to you know remember where they are you know where they are in terms of like where we are sure i can i can understand it but this is blatant yeah this one was like she even warned him beforehand that they probably shouldn't do stuff like that and he's still and he and it's like it sounds like he thinks about it and then still mm-hmm. does it and you're like yeah that, that that's like i mean so it's, annoying it's essentially fuck it i'm gonna do it yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. like uh no actually not gonna bring that up 
yeah it's like yeah he has this moment where he thinks about should i like backtrack and he goes like yeah yeah you're right he has like a fuck it i'm just gonna say it moment and she's kind of like oh okay and then she's kind of like well i guess cat's out of the bag we'll talk about it a little bit but she doesn't really go into detail too much uh so i appreciated gabrielle trying to protect our virgin ears from (laughs) yeah and you know it it, and then once again this is just on the commentary it's a very well written episode it's a it's a good solid episode you know and matt did a good job so if it sounds like we've been bagging on especially me bagging on matt all you know all commentary uh commentary but he could be a good writer while being bad at commentary commentary, yeah and there's also we don't know how much how do we how we don't know how much how good the script was versus like how much pillar was able to bring right that's also not that I'm like trying, it sounds like I'm like denouncing what you're saying, but like, it's a tough no, no, situation. No, no, we were we, begging on Matt. <laughs> no, but it's it's tough to see in those situations of like, you can never tell the relationship of like, okay, how much did the writer bring and how much did the director bring to the table? Like, because sometimes we've seen directors elevate writing that we didn't think was great. Like we've seen Lee Rose do really good. And we have also seen episodes I think are written decent. And like, you're kind of like, well, like this is just like lacks like energy and like gets like cut up pretty or like the acting is bad right the performance is bad the editing's bad stuff like that so uh it's tough to tell but yeah i i do agree that i think matt mcginnis at least turned in a good script but his commentary is very poor here so uh off topic off topic uh not good chemistry full of spoilers nothing really too interesting from behind the scenes so episode eight commentary like uh Probably like a four. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, Two? there's it's just it's so unprofessional. I mean, oh, I think re- Ga- my points go to Gabrielle mostly. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I can give a four for Gabrielle, but you know, and once again, you know, Matt does have some, like I said, he points out some interesting sh- things you want to know. But I mean, I, it just it, the effort wasn't put in there, you know, yeah. it, you know, and I, uh, we buy these, you know, they don't put these out, you know, on the streamers, streaming services. They, you know, these are people who actually buy the physical discs, you know, the fans. So I expect, mm-hmm. that, you know, if there's one thing he was just fumbling things because it's the first time, I don't think the effort was there. And yeah. that's what, that, and that's what bothered me about it. But we still love you, Matt, but, you know, keep up the good work. Just maybe let Gabrielle do the commentaries. And this is all in the past. So it's not like if he was hearing yeah, this like, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, I didn't realize I sucked. Thank God. Let me get the time travel machine. That's what I'll fix is my commentaries. (laughs) Time traveling Bronco, but Lucas will have to drive you. All right. All right. Well, I think that's it for the episode. Right? Yeah, I don't think there's more I could say or want to say. So that's it for us uh, on this episode. You can enter the maze of Haven with us in two weeks. Trouble drops every Monday. So make sure you tune in where you listen to podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those places. Uh, we have a, uh, an email address if you want to contact us, troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com or on Twitter uh, at Havens Troubled, capital H, capital T. We also have a Patreon with three tiers, $1, $3, $5. Uh, got a, just a, an assortment of crazy stuff on the $1, our bonus episodes on the $3, and our upcoming director's cuts are on the $5. So that'll be it for, that's all I got to say. This is uh, Alex French. 
And this is Rich French. I want to thank you for listening uh, again. We really appreciate it. Uh, we hope you will engage with us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or just good old-fashioned email, which would probably be best for this guy. But uh, just want to thank you again. And especially in light of the current situation, please, please be safe. And remember, never let your troubles get you down. All right, this is where the Ted Lasso talk would go. <laughs> oh, yes, Ted Lasso. I, I've i been watching it, too. And yeah. uh, it's ex uh, folks out there, if you uh, have Apple Plus or know someone with Apple Plus, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fun. It's a real sweet show, too. I yeah. mean, it's uh, touching yeah. and it's and hilarious at the yeah ted lasso is kind of the comedy darling right now on tv and rightfully so i think it's awesome yeah i i can't think of anything really like it that i've that i've seen in uh um it (laughs) we're so off topic it does i can see exact traces of scrubs in it because it's bill lawrence the guy who created scrubs and you've watched every episode many many no i've only seen like the last three seasons like once the last two seasons of scrubs once uh but i have seen i have watched like the early seasons a lot uh <laughs> so i think bill lawrence i can i can detect bill lawrence isms and especially in roy kent roy kent is very it's his ty- it's his character type for dr cox it's you know it's not you love to hate him it's you love to hate everything with them and i think roy kent does that you know that's he's in the dr cox mold of like you like to kind of hate everybody else with him or like, it's fun that he hates everything. He, he's, he's probably my favorite character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's like the Dr. Cox, of the show. He's like, he's the coolest. I um, did not make that connection. Wow. And uh, <laughs> but no, again, not, now it, it yeah. makes complete sense. And now I see what you say, you know, the, the, the connection there between. Yeah. The two. And there's, there's occasional jokes where I'm like, I bet that's a Bill Lawrence. I bet Bill Lawrence came up with that or something like that. And then I was listening to a podcast where the guy who plays a uh, beard, like coach, uh, the assistant coach, he was on, he was on an NBA podcast <laughs> and uh, he coaches all sports. He's just coach. It's not basketball, football <laughs> coach. He's just coach. But yeah, he was talking about it and he was, and he confirmed there was a joke. He was saying that Bill Lawrence told him to include. And I was like, I fucking knew it. I fucking had a feeling that was from him. I was like, I fucking could yeah. tell. Uh, but yeah, so for me, I can tell when certain things I think are from him. Cause I know I'm so familiar with, I've watched so much scrubs. I've watched, I've watched Cougar town. I haven't watched like every episode or full seasons or anything, but I've seen occasional episodes and I usually laugh. It's not as good as like scrubs or Ted Lasso, but I usually like enjoy it. Um, so I'm familiar, pretty familiar with Bill Lawrence, but it's also got a distinct Sedakis and uh, some other, I think there's two other guys who are in like the creator pool. It's Beard, the assistant coach, Jason Sedakis, Bill Lawrence, and the fourth guy that I don't know is, I don't remember his name. And they're kind of the, like the brain trust of coming up with everything. Oh yeah. You can see Sedakis prints on it as well. I think that's yeah. why it works so well. You know, some uh, talented folks there on it, yeah. but it's a it's a great show. Highly recommend it, and uh, if this makes it into cut, you know, you can thank <laughs> <Yeah>. us, <laughs> and you will you will thank us after watching it. I mean, uh, 
I wasn't buying it when you, when that, when Alex told me, yeah, this is really good. You got to check it out. And I'm like, oh, man, it looks doofy. That's and, exactly you know. what I thought. After the first episode, I was like, this is pretty cheesy. I don't know if I like this. And then I was like, well, I just watched the second episode. And then during the second episode, I was like, well, you know, I actually don't think I want to stop watching this. So like, I guess this is, I guess I really like this. <laughs> by the end of season one, I loved it actually. Yeah. By yeah. The by the end of season, of season one, I was like, damn, this is like one of my favorite shows on right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's one parallel and I bet you they, 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 <laughs> man, this is far afield, but they, uh, <laughs> maybe they I'll put it. this at the end. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a, we'll do a disclaimer. <laughs> This te- mm-hmm. We have a big Ted Lasso talk. We'll put it at the end of the episode if you're interested. Yeah, that's the only type of TED talk we're qualified for. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but no. Uh, so you probably won't remember this. You might maybe have seen it on cable or something. There was this, uh, it's like, and we, yeah, we've talked about it because at, at points because they filmed the movie Major League with, you know, Tom Berenger and. Yeah, uh, my teacher, and, my teacher in my college was the production designer of yeah. Major League. Charlie Sheen. So they filmed that at County Stadium in Milwaukee when I was a kid. Yeah. But uh, you know, and I and I didn't get to be an extra, which I'm pissed about. It wouldn't let me miss school for it, high school. But nonetheless, so the whole premise on that one was the uh uh the owner of the team, old guy, dies, and the the uh, the mean evil wife wants to the team to suck. So that she can uh, sell the franchise, move the franchise. She wants to move the franchise. So she's intentionally trying to have the team tank. So she gets rid of all the good players, brings in garbage, brings in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Tom's a, you know, a washed up catcher with bad knees. And yeah, yeah. Charlie Sheen's in jail. So that's kind of, so I think Sudeikis and them ripped that concept right from them and then kind of twisted it a little bit. Not that, you know, she just wants to flat out destroy the team. She doesn't, she's not talking about moving it or anything. She just wants to punish her still living philandering. Well, not, I guess it's not philandering now since they're divorced, but yeah. serial philanderer. So I saw that right through it. So I, I think you, you, your observation is definitely better than mine because mine's just, you're old enough to know the movie. Well, no, but I mean, like, I think Major League, you're right, is like, definitely it's like a soccer you know version it's it's a lot of it and i think that's what we were just saying is like what's really interesting about it is like i think it's got so many different flavors that it's a bit unpredictable because like you're like well it's kind of like it is kind of like goofy and like like warm heart and shit but then some then they're dropping like f-bombs dildo jokes and stuff like that and then there's kind of odd humor that i, I sometimes i'm like sometimes i'm like i don't think i get this joke and then there's right. other times that it's really uh like then there's sports jokes too. There's like like the Allen Iverson thing. Did you yeah. get like the practice, the yeah. weird practice speech? I was kind of like, I don't know how many people are gonna get this like Allen Iverson practice speech joke thing. Uh, so I think it comes from so many different flavors and so many different inspirations that I think that's one thing is it kind of keeps you on your. Every time I think you kind of think you're like, yeah, yeah, I know what they're gonna do. They kind of have a nice rotation of like different inspirations that they draw from. Right. Well, and then another thing is, it's not just a goofy comedy. There's actually some touching oh, things yeah. in there. The relationship between Ted and the owner, who's, you know, is trying to find, you know, she's not trying to, but she, you know, inadvertently through Ted's actions and some, you know, the situations, she's starting to thaw a little bit, you know, and, you know, let herself, you know, have hope again and not just be just bitter you know and embroiled in bitterness all the time she's you know she starts coming through there's some sadness for ted 
you know, as oh, well. Yeah. And there's some darkness. And I think that's also a scrubs thing too, is like scrubs is really silly. And then there'd be like dark moments, like Dr. Cox having like, I think he had five patients die of like fucking rabies infested donor organs. Like they didn't catch that the person had rabies that they used donor organs from and it killed everybody. And uh, he goes into like an alcoholic, like, fucking hole for like the whole end of the season <laughs> and quits so like there's you know and then obviously jd goes through like some really dark shit too or turk and carla kind of realize that they're in trouble when they're married and are like oh my god i don't know if this is like we kind of maybe we fucked up getting married and so like i think i think there's a lot of that too where i'm like oh yeah this is that scrub sweet spot of like silly humor and like some really fun good-hearted shit and then like you know the darkness that needs to be there for like for the light moments also to feel as good as they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's once again, uh, I, I mean, you've most of most folks listening probably have already watched it just because, I mean, it's been pretty, it's been, been hiked yeah. pretty hard. I mean, but it's pretty big, <laughs> It's for, but that's, it's one of those rare instances where it meets the hype in my opinion. It, it yeah. really does. And uh, I'm waiting for the next award show because they need to win a bunch for this. I mean, yeah, yeah, they did, definitely do. I think they will because it's pretty, it's pretty big. I think this is, I think what's funny is I think the morning show was like what Apple kind of saw as like their, big thing but i think ted lasso is really there it's the flagship now yeah i was like i had apple tv plus for free for like almost two years and now i'm paying for five dollars a month until ted lasso's done then i'm gonna drop it but like that's the only thing i give a shit about watching on apple tv plus yeah ted and- lasso well, I mean, and something that also makes it really compelling is that, you know, Jason Sudeikis in his personal life went through a divorce during this time. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, and for season two, he got the cover of GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly. So, <laughs> and I'm not saying I have a subscription, but I have a subscription. Yeah. I'm the only person not viewing it online who actually has printed magazine copy. No, but I'm yeah, sure there's others, but yeah, and it's it's a it's a really good interview with him, and you know he explains a lot of the motivation behind the character, gives Jason's uh, kind of his history and all of that. Wasn't he married to like Olivia Munn or something or somebody like that? Wild, wild, Olivia Wild. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. No, Aaron Rodgers. You... Huh? Did they get like divorced? Is that what he's talking? Is that the yeah. divorce he's talking about? Oh shit! I didn't even know they got divorced. Well, yeah, and she's already was spotted out with her new beau at some. Uh, celebrity event so that's got to be a proverbial kick in the crotch as sting would sing about in synchronicity too <laughs> if you don't know well, that let's, lyric, it's let's hope every- uh let's hope jason sudeikis isn't watching every breath she takes oh gosh no Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, because I- <laughs> uh he, he, that might enrage him and he might become a king of pain okay that was that didn't work i thought it would but no <laughs> It's not getting cut out. All right, let's get back. To, uh, <laughs> He'll send her a message in a bottle. All right. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, and for those who don't know, that was one of Alex's favorite songs when he was a young kid. He was making repeated and repeated. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Song. Moving anyway. on. 